Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is, is the 27th of January, 2021, Wednesday. As we gear up for a new MLS season, uh, I think they've kind of finally figured it out when, when it's going to be, uh, which is which is good news uh, or bad, depending on your perspective. Uh, I'm Mike Ares, uh and with me are the experts. Uh, Jacob Myers, our fine crew beat writer, and... Uh, and the man, Kyle Robertson, the striker, um, and there we're we're zooming away here. Uh, it's it's been a little bit. Uh, so uh, just generally speaking, Jacob, I'm going to snap my pen a couple times just to uh, raise your hackles and ask you to recap <laughs> what has gone on uh, during this uh, uh, very brief. I mean, this month long at this point off season for for the Columbus Crew of the SC. Yeah, they've been busy in there. Focus has kind of been on, at least right away, was players inside the league. I, I think a big impact of that is not being able to see international players in person. So they kind of focused on the free agency and, and they made some big moves. So just I'll, I'll recap the, the offseason and, and give a look at what the roster is looking like right now. Ten players are gone. Uh, Hector Jimenez, Andrew Tarbell, Yunus Mokhtar, Fernando Adi, among others. The most recent transaction, the crew sold Chris Cadden uh, to a Scottish team. So he's he's going back to Scotland. I think he has ambitions to play for their national team, and he wasn't going to get the time here. So uh, har- hardly knew him, and he's already back in Scotland. But the big additions were five players are in, uh, the big ones being Kevin Molino from Minnesota and Bradley Wright Phillips, who crew fans are obviously uh, very aware of and have known for a while from his days with, with Red Bull. But he's coming off a very successful season with LAFC and the crew also signed a homegrown Isaiah Parente. He's a midfielder and then uh, goalkeepers Evan Bush to be the backup and uh, a fourth goalie and, and Eric Dick, who's never played a, an MLS game. So currently there are 25 and 30 roster spots filled. I'll just give a, a breakdown. You have Aloy Room, Evan Bush, Matt Lampson and Eric the goalkeeper. Defenders are Milton Valenzuela Harrison Offal, Jonathan Mensa, Josh Williams, Vito Warmhor, Abubakar Keda, Waylon Francis, and Grant Lillard. So they have some space there. They have to add a right back or two. Uh, they only have Offal there right now. And then midfielders, Lucas Elorayon, Pedro Santos, Kevin Molino, Etienne Jr., Luis Diaz, Nagby, Artur, Aiden Morris, Sebastian Burr-Halter, and Parente. Forwards are Jossie Zardes and BWP and Miguel Bear. So uh, other transactions, they had the draft. They picked a couple defenders who, once they get that reserve team up, uh, that, that's where they will likely play. Kyle, um, Bradley, like, you got BWP and Molino. Um, uh, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips is, is, is one, of the, one of the truly, I don't know, I don't know if you call it great players in the league, but he he will he will uh, 
be over time considered one of the more effective players in, in MLS history. I mean, you just look at the the career records that 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 uh, you look at those lists. He's on them. Um, he's at a stage in his career where he can kind of pick and choose, and and uh, I'm sure there was a a clamor for his services. Um, and uh, he he in fact chose the crew, which is which which says something. Uh, about this team, the way it's run, and obviously coming off a championship. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's I think it's huge to add somebody of his talent and his pedigree uh, to the roster. I mean, he's a an easy fill in, you know, up top, or you know, or even uh, late game situations when you want to have two, uh, you know, two strikers up there. So I think I think it was really smart of the crew, and 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 what I think I think they have the possibility of playing forty plus games this year. Um, plus with all the different qualifying and international stuff. And, you know, so I think it's going to be a, a, a year where uh, the depth is truly going to be tested and you're going to have a, you know, a variety of players playing, um, you know, throughout, throughout the different lineups throughout the, throughout the season, depending upon who's gone. And I think, he, I think Porter finally has that second striker that he, that he always wanted and always talked about and kind of, the last couple guys didn't quite fit the bill, and I think this guy is uh, is it in, in in a more limited role. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be playing twenty. You know, I mean, you don't hope. I mean, with his age, you know, you, you know, you you. I think if you see him between ten and fifteen games, I think that's a that that that's a good good plan of action moving well, forward. I mean, to have a team with Bradley White Phillips coming off the bench in the sixtieth yeah. is is a uh, is a statement. Um, and uh, you know what did the fans? They called Adi the White Flag. Um, so, <laughs> so big, big upgrade there. Not to pick on on Finado Adi, um, but Jacob the Molino uh, acquisition, very interesting. Um, we all know how good this guy is when he's healthy. Um, we saw it last year, um, up close and personal. Um, he's a he's a hell of a player, and and. Uh, May slot right in there and starting wing, um, but the acquisition was interesting too. It, it showed some alacrity by management in that uh, Minnesota had a certain price. Um, it kind of got sniffed out here, and they thought we can make a run at this guy. And uh, this place, this city, and this team is attractive enough where maybe we can get him. And they did. It was a uh, it was a very canny move by the general manager. Yeah, I mean, it's when I had talked about BWP and Molina with with Porter, he was very explicit and kind of to Kyle's point, they believe they have another starting caliber forward in in BWP that can come off the bench or give a push whenever they need to, in addition to those games as well. But with Molina, I mean, strictly statistically speaking, he was one of the best wingers in the league last year. He had nine goals in the regular season and had four three awesome. games I mean, in he, the playoffs. Yeah. He was terrific, but he is. He's a quality player. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Other than 
Lucas, I, I would say Molina was the next best player in the postseason, uh, just the way he looked and, and certainly showed up in big games, too. So that's a multi-year deal as well. I believe he's 30 years old. So that's important if you're looking, you know, Pedro Santos, he had his exercise, his option exercise uh, after the season. So you think he's coming up on the end of his contract here and what what the crew want to do there? Uh, I think it's clear just with the direction of the league and these moves signify that they'll just continue to add and improve. And it wouldn't be a bad thing to keep a Santos around and come off the bench. But I just say that from the point of now they have an additional starting caliber winger. He should be the starting guy on the right wing with Santos on the left. And this will allow Diaz to come off the bench and be effective uh, where I feel like he is most effective as he continues to learn the position. Kyle, uh, ownership yeah. isn't messing around. No, yeah, no. I think it's truly interesting to have to have ownership uh, commit to uh, to these two guys, and you know, possibly more. Uh, you know, th- it's just weird because Columbus traditionally has always been in the lower, you know, lower hat, you know, lower third of the league in in salary and spending and keeping guys and lower third. So I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay, bottom three. Okay, <laughs> well, when they but played, anyway, when they played when they played Toronto in 2017, um, you know, uh, uh, Michael Bradley's salary was was about equal to the entire payroll of the crew. Yeah. So uh, uh, we'll put it that way. I'm sorry to interrupt. Please no, continue. No, but I your... just, I just, I just think it's it's to me, it's kind of bizarre to see the crew adding quality pieces and spending money. Um, at the rate as, as which they are. Um, it's just, you know, to me, the, the, you know, they've, they've bumped up a few uh, echelons in the whole salary system of the MLS. And I think uh, crew fans should be kind of excited that they're spending money. They have, um, you know, owners who are um, going to put quality people, uh, you know, into the, onto the team. And, and it wasn't just like a, magical run that you know hey they made the championship and they won you know i think with uh with what they have you know moving forward that you know they could possibly be a contender year in and year out jacob uh uh it seems like d and jimmy like winning number one and number two this is uh, obviously an organizational effort to uh usher in uh the new era with the new stadium uh where where do things stand with that Yes, so they had a steel topping out ceremony a few weeks ago. I can't remember the exact date, but it was sometime in January. So they're all done with that part. They're finishing the roof, just putting kind of the paneling on top there. Uh, When I was in there, I got to go up to the top with some um, Haslam Sports Group people and Tim Bezbachenko, Steve Lyons, and kind of get a view from the top of the Nordeck where you can kind of stand and look out. It's, um, you know, I think... $313 $313 million, it better be impressive. Uh, but fans are really going to enjoy just kind of like you feel really over top of the field. And you kind of saw the lighting fixtures, what what all that might look like. Uh, it's certainly the structure of it is, is all in place. You can really get a feel what it's going to look like. Um, they recently installed the scoreboard on the south end, which is bigger than the Mafre scoreboard and i still think it's uh my tv in my, my living room's about the size of the <laughs> scoreboard 
You know, one thing I neglected to ask is if it was fireproof. Um, but <laughs> we can we can all we can all hope so. I know that's low hanging fruit, Mike. I gotta work for for that joke a little bit. But the stadium's coming along, and, and July Yo, is still their target open. Um, uh, their their contractors are showing up on time, and and this thing. What's the timing, Jacob? Is the best you can de- be determined because I think that's what people want to know. That's what I'm curious about. Just for the opening of it? Yes. Yeah, so I, I think right now everything publicly they've said is they're sticking to the timeline they put out there. So it's the uh, the field installation begins in April, I believe. It might be late March, but it's around that time frame. Um, it's, it's all on the their crew stadium website. But June, it's set, like late June is ma- all major construction being done. And I assume the kind of next month is just making sure everything is, you know, in tip top shape, ready for opening. But they're still planning for a, a July opening. And um, now we have a MLS schedule, assuming that the CBA negotiations don't totally fall apart. We, we can start to think when they might open it with that schedule. OK, um, we're going to get to the CBA negotiations in just a second. Um Jacob, you're the plumber uh, among this crew here at the Speakeasy. Kyle, you're the artist. How did the stadium strike your eye? No, I uh, I drove by it uh, last uh, last uh, last night on the way to the CBJ game, and uh, you know, it, I think it's taken form, and it and it truly looks like a you know a stadium, and I think it just looks awesome. It looks like a stadium. The... That's our artist, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. stadium That's like a good a thing. Well, I mean. The, for the longest time, it just, you know, the, the the roof wasn't there. And so it's kind of an open kind of, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I just think it looks pretty awesome, uh, you know, on the backdrop of Columbus when you're going by 670. And, um, you know, I, I can't wait to see what it looks like all lit up. And uh, it's going to be, uh, I mean, you know, I just can't wait. So but, I'd like to, what I'm curious about seeing is is the pitch of the Nordic. Yeah, um, yeah. Those fans are going to go straight up. Um and up and and be right on top of things. That, uh, I'm I'm I want to see what that atmosphere is like when we can get some people in the building and uh, you know, knock wood. Hopefully that's uh, sooner rather than later with the vaccination rollout. So all right, we should talk next, Jacob, about uh, about the schedule. Uh, speaking of schedules, uh, how's that for a brilliant segue, Kyle? Um, uh, what? The league has kind of settled on things, uh, or at least announced their plans for, for how this is going to roll out. Uh, can you give us the latest, Jacob? Yeah, so camp preseason camp will begin February 22nd with opening weekend scheduled for April 3rd and 4th. Uh, playoffs would start November 19th with MLS Cup December 11th, which is very similar to, to this year, although they're hoping for a 34-game schedule like all other seasons. And it doesn't appear to be any kind of regional travel. I, I would be curious. It, it's really difficult uh, since, you know, you play three games in eight days at max. So I, I don't think they can do this. But I, I like what NHL and NBA has done where, mm-hmm. you know, you're in one site and playing two games. So you wish they could do that. But it appears that, you know, there might be a, a trip to L.A., Portland, wherever, Austin. Um, so... The, the schedule isn't totally out and released yet, but that's the framework they're uh, working with right now. They're also planning for everything else to kind of be normal, almost acting like uh, the, the season will be any other season COVID adjacent 
with the All-Star Game, Leagues Cup, Campiones Cup, and the U.S. Open Cup. Also several international competitions, including World Cup qualification, as Cal mentioned. Yeah. So, And then you have CONCACAF on top of that, yeah. with, which would start April 6th, 7th, yeah. or 8th. That'll be the crew's first game. So uh, you got it's going Cup to start and... really quickly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's good that they added, added the depth they need. Uh, for not just for these competitions, but any absences that are caused by COVID as well. Um, Jacob, what is, uh, and I, I know you've written about this, but just to go over it one more time, because uh, again, this is one thing I'm interested in and, uh, and other people are as, as well. And that is, um, and we can't be certain about uh, or speak in certain terms about it because, uh, you know, the stadium's still under construction. But the breakdown of games that will be played at the Venerable Crew Stadium and uh, how they want, uh, what they want, how many games they want to play, and over what sort of span of time in the new stadium. I know that they are still. The last I heard, what they're still looking at is maximum thirteen games in the new stadium. That just might be like difficult because of you have Concacaf now and other competitions you're balancing postponements that that will inevitably happen this season so it's it's very difficult but i think if all else is equal and the same that's what they're looking at i i believe it's kind of one game a month that they're looking at having in mafre before transitioning to the new stadium so yeah. if you think they could do if it's a late july opening for example you could do like one in april may june july that would get you your four and I guess it's no longer Mafra because that deal ended. So we might have to go back to call Old Crew Stadium, if you will. But <laughs> so that's that's a framework I, I, they're looking I, at. I just I just did Jacob. <laughs> it is Old Crew Stadium. And what does that place look like now in, in terms of uh, obviously they're going to refit that stadium um, and the uh, training facility is virtually complete. Yeah, I haven't been by in a while, but. Training the construction on the training facility is continuing, and just some renderings that the team has pushed out on their social media page. Uh, not renderings, but like live updates on their construction. It, it appears that the actual facility is um, just about done. I mean, the and the fields are starting to be laid, so you really get a sense of what it looks like. The stadium itself, I don't ex other than no Moffer Insurance logo. There are no real changes to it. Now, for the new stadium, I know I talked to Vesbachenko about this, that they are trying to do some type of like, like unveiling of the championship, whatever you call it, the kind of like plaque that they'll put on the face of the building. That'll happen at the new stadium. That's what they're aiming for right now. So any grand ceremony of a, a grand opening first game, it, it appears that'll kind of be uh, – a part of it and i know in some renderings this was interesting and i actually thought it was just done in the renderings to look cool but you know that smokestack on mm. the site of the stadium they yeah. are actively trying to test and get like some smoke to be pushed out of there like on a goal or something to be a part of the atmosphere which is in some of the renderings but i just thought that was a neat little detail oh jacob let's let's get to the uh increasingly more heated collective bargaining mm -hmm. Um, uh, negotiations, as folks will or may or may not remember, it was it was um, a little over a year ago where they they signed a new CBA and then COVID hit and they uh, 
sat down in June and modified it. And, uh, uh, and now, uh, you know, as of the end of last month, uh, the league informed the union that, uh, that they're going to uh, activate a force majeure clause. Um, and that is, that is, uh, that is, that is up the thermostat in, in these talks. Um, um, give us your best overview about about where these things stand and and what impact they could have going forward. Yes. So Thursday, when when this pod will will come out, that is the thirty day deadline, if you will, from when the league first sent its proposal to MLSPA, and that they can accept, and then after that, the league can then decide to through the force majeure clause just totally scrap the CBA and 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 build a new one, or they can agree to extend the deadline and continue negotiations to alter the current framework. Now, that's the 30-day deadline is where it's a little tricky and kind of the this nastiness a little bit has played out publicly. Don Garber has said there has to be a sense of urgency with that deadline while Bob Foose, the executive director for the MLSPA, said there's nothing legally binding about that 30-day deadline to negotiate a deal. So, like, they are in disagreement on what that deadline appears to be, where well, what, we are currently. What, what we do know about on. that, what we do know about that deadline for sure is that the MLS can, um, per the contract, um, unilaterally, unilaterally, easy for me to say, terminate the the current deal, and then and then things are really there's a little mushroom cloud there. Well, I'm sorry, but they can do that. Will they do that? What what's your what's your take, Jacob? Yeah, I I mean, for the sake of the league, I think it would be just a bad to get into these negotiations over and over and over again. So. Just, I think you just want to continue to extend the deal and continue talking. Um, who, who, you know, I'm not a, a labor expert here, but all, all I can say is what the two sides are saying are, is very, very different. Um, so where it is right now is MLS submitted a proposal. The PA got back with their own, and MLS shot that down pretty quickly, came back with their own. So they're kind of talking about that and in negotiations with the PA. So at least the gears are turning a bit. Who knows where this really ends up? Just to kind of give an idea of what is in these proposals. Um, I mean, Bob Foose with the PA, he openly wondered in a press conference, which he called in response to Garber's statements saying there needs to be a sense of urgency because he said that wasn't communicated to the PA at all. So in this, uh, Foose said that he openly wondered if MLS is wanting to renegotiate in order to recoup expected losses in 2021 or if they're just doing this for what he called economic opportunity. So then you had on draft day, MLS put out alert. It was a clear play to gin up support for the league's efforts in the new proposal, which is extending the CBA through 2027, which would be a concession of the players. And the league said it would pay 100% of players' salaries uh, while an increase in their salary minimum and maximum would be on hold for 21 and 22. And that was almost framed as a concession that they're willing to pay 100% of the player salaries. But on its face, there seems to be no reason not to do that because they're having them play a full 34-game season. So 
it, it is whatever you want to make of it. MLSPA stances the players have already made a lot of concessions, and Fu said it was disingenuous for Garber to suggest there's no player salary impact. So yeah, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this, Mike. Well, it it, it feels to me simply like a, a leverage move uh, and an attempted clawback. Um, and uh, that doesn't make for good labor relations. Um, it, it seems very heavy-handed to me when, uh, uh, especially during a pandemic, there should be more of a fostering of a relationship rather than an attempt to destroy it. Um, that's that's my knee-jerk reaction. Um, let's wrap wrap up here, gentlemen. Um, well, we should before we wrap up and, and and finishing up this discussion of the CBA. I mean. There is a chance the season can be could be scuttled, depending on how hardline Don Garber wants to be. And with the season would go everything else, including the All-Star Game, the U.S. Open Cup, um, the League's Cup, the Campione's Cup, and uh, the CONCACAF Champions League. So, yeah, Don Garber's just uh, using all of that for leverage, uh, what looks to me like a callback. Is the league hurting? Yeah. Um, is there a better way to do this uh, in conjunction with your players? Um, to me, there's no doubt in my mind. Now, Kyle, I'm going to throw it right at you. Um, give me your starting 11 for oh, Columbus Crew SCs. Come on. Let's, let's, oh, let's have man. starting 11. And, Jacob, you're going to go next. Uh, um, you know, okay, you can start in goal. <laughs> Room. <laughs> that was uh, a <laughs> now the back line, you know, yeah, you think about uh, obviously Awful's there. We don't know yeah. who's behind him yet, but uh, I, I think you're gonna go Awful Mensa. Um, I think you're gonna go Williams at first until Vito kind of, uh, you know, is a one hundred and you know ten percent back, um, and then um, there's no such thing as one hundred ten percent, Kyle. But but uh, and, uh, and I'm sure Jake Jacobs keeping up with, with Vito Warmhorn and, and I'll have an update for for everyone soon enough uh, if not already. But anyway, continue the other side. Uh, uh, let's see here. I'm drawing a blank. Um, uh, left side. Um, well, they did just meet up with Waylon Francis, although he's probably uh, yeah. He's probably um, sorry, I'm not Waylon. There yeah, Milton. Go. Sorry, sorry, Milton. And then, and then the I young think, man. yeah, but I mean, uh, and, and then I, I think you go the wings. I think you start with Pedro, um, you know, and then you have Molino, um, you know, on on the other side, uh, and then and then you know you got Nagby, Artur, uh, Lucas, and uh, you know Zardes up top. So I think maybe the only is there only really one position open it would be the other center back. Is that I, the only really? I think that one is just contingent on, like you said, how Wormhor feels. And I actually did talk to him this offseason. He was back in in the Netherlands. Uh, he spent most of the season away from his family. Uh, he he told me he and his wife decided to send their kids back there so they could actually go to school in person because their country is prioritizing getting kids in school and, and actually shutting things down like bars and restaurants, unlike us. But the way he's he's doing it is he feels good where he's at right now the last time i talked to him he said you know i just need to like wake up my muscles now being his ankle because he hasn't used them in so long so he seems content on if he has to miss a little time at the beginning of at the beginning of the season he's okay to do that confident it won't be long if if he does have to miss a few time few you know uh, a few games as good as Josh Williams was, and boy, he finished the season like a hoss. I mean, right? I mean, through the playoffs, best season um, of his career. 
Oh, he he was he was terrific, um, and and I think in a lot of that we tend to forget how good the Warm Horror Mensa center back combination was at the beginning of last season. It was uh, was daunting. Um, Jacob, you're starting eleven. I don't well, think I would say to... we just have. I would say we haven't seen enough of Warm Horror. He played um, ninety three minutes. I think he missed the Seattle game before the the before the league. Halted if, everything, and then, if you have a good eye for talent like Kyle does, you you would have recognized how good the man the man truly is. He is good for sure. I I, I just think I, I am going to wait a little longer to see how they work together. But okay. yes, if he's if, <laughs> if he's healthy, he's the starter. Then it's awful in Valenzuela, Nagvi, and Artur, Santos, Zelarayan, Molino, and Zardes up top. And I think one good thing uh, other than. You know, the the main thing that the, the crew won, if you're the crew that came out of MLS Cup, is you know you have a good backup central midfielder and Aiden Morris now who's capable of stepping in there when need be. Because remember, that was kind of a question mark through at least the first half of the year. And, and clearly Morris stepped up when he needed to. And I think that allows them to just, okay, we're, we're good with our homegrowns now to kind of back up where, where need be if our tour or... Um, if our tour or Nagby need to go out, Kyle, what did what did uh, Tortorella say about Wierenski after he got hit in the face with the puck and came back? He's got he's got balls, balls, the, balls size the, yeah. the size of the building. <laughs> building, yeah. Aiden <laughs> Morris has a little of that in him. Yeah, you know. And, um, you know, uh, Jacob. Last thing, uh, you, you guys have both talked about the need to add depth at back. Um, it's it's the one glaring need. Uh, Anything rumbling there, and what sort of time frame we're we looking at in terms of acquisitions? Yeah, I think it's you know let's just do the math now. It's a month, a little less than a month until camp starts, assuming that the CBA is is underway. So they definitely have some gears rolling there, and I, I don't know the players that they have been targeting. One rumor that was out there, just in terms of an Eastern Conference MLS team that's offered him was. Uh, U.S. international DeAndre Yedlin. Now, what just from kind of hearing around is, and obviously he has the background with Porter at Akron, so I think the connections there were were pretty obvious. But the dude's making three million dollars at Newcastle. I don't think he's going to take a sixty-six percent pay cut <laughs> to come to MLS. So I I would hold off on on that for for a bit. He, he'll probably make his money for now. Uh, but there, there was rumors of a Columbia, uh, a winger from Columbia, 22 mm. year old. It doesn't appear that the crew is going to be one of those teams. I haven't heard anything myself. I've just followed these rumors um, that, that have come out of Columbia, and it seems like there might be an MLS deal for this player. But it's to one of the newer franchises, so uh, that yeah. would have been a significant additional investment that I think the ownership and the team is willing to make, but. I don't do you, know if that's the do spot you, they're looking at right now. What uh, do we have, or what's the crew's uh, international? Are they are they filled with their internet, or what? What's open? Was it the under twenty two DP or whatever, and then what? Some international slots. Yeah, so there, there's a little, there's not a ton of clarity on that twenty two player. Pro- I know what you're talking about. So in the last CBA, the league and the players union agreed to this kind of additional pool of money that is almost like a young DP, but it's like a separate designation. So it allows teams essentially to spend more for younger talent if they want to. Um, I 
So I don't know the total logistics with that, but yes, there are international spots open. I'm trying to just kind of count looking at their roster right now. But last I looked with the Chris Cadden move, he leaving, they had at least two international spots open, um, if not three, because Yunus Mokhtar was one as well, and, and he's gone, and they didn't fill any. So, yeah, there there is plenty of room to add international talent. All right, gentlemen, anything else? I talked to Bradley Ray Phillips. I got to plug my work, Mike. Um, Go ahead, Shield. I talked to Bradley Wright Phillips earlier this week just about his decision to come to Columbus and hoping to do that with uh, Molino here soon. And, and he talked about, and Kyle and I were kind of texting this, he, he talked about he's, he feels like he's still chasing a year because of 2019. He felt like it was almost a reset and people didn't believe he uh, could produce anymore given his age. He's 35, will be 36 this season, but he seems heavily motivated and uh, he, he said he's admired Porter and Nagby for a while. So uh, give, give that a read on Dispatch.com and anything Mike writes as well. It's always worth it. Oh, yeah, sure. Pander now. I got, I'm I looking, got what, I'm look, what I'm looking forward to is, is the photo gallery. Uh, Kyle can shoot the new stadium at sunrise and maybe Adam Cairns at sunset. I'd scroll through that, Kyle, just an idea. And I, I guess that's it here. Uh, we'll end on a well, specious idea, I suppose. Uh, for today, Wednesday, the 27th of January, 2020, that's our edition of the Soccer Speakeasy for um, young Jacob Myers and, and uh, Kyle Robertson. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm Mike A-Race and uh, Patrick Flaherty, wherever you are, kick us out of here, please. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.